0: All right, everybody, welcome to day 14 of the 7 a.m. Novelist 50-Day Writing Challenge, first draft edition. I think it's Monday, I'm not sure, but I think it is. Um, I'm Michelle Hoover, your host, and today's the last day of talking about character development, our character development week, and we're going out in style with two incredible authors who I probably shouldn't have had on at the same time because we probably are going to go over time, but I think that's fantastic anyway. They're also approaching this question, I think, of stakes in very different ways. So we have Maurice Carlos Rufin, um, who is the author of The Ones Who Don't Say They Love You, a New York Times editor's choice that was also long listed for the Story Prize. His first book, We Cast a Shadow, was a finalist for the Penn Faulkner Award. That book just knocked me over, by the way. It was uh, also a finalist for the, um, no, and it was was, uh, a finalist for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Penned America Open Book Prize. Uh, Rufin is the uh, winner of several literary prizes, including the Iowa Review Award in Fiction. A New Orleans native, Rufin is a professor of creative writing at Louisiana State University. So yeah, he's an hour earlier than us folks, some of us on the East Coast. So we've also have people all over the place listening. Um, He was also the 2020, 2021 John and Renee Grisham Writer-in-Residence at the University of Mississippi. And Hank Philippe Ryan is the USA Today best-selling author of 13 novels of suspense. She has won multiple prestigious awards for her crime fiction, including five Agathas, five Anthonys, and the coveted Mary Higgins Clark Award. She's also an on-air investigative reporter for Boston's WHDH-TV and has won 37 Emmys, 14 Edward R. Morrow Awards, and a dozen of other authors. Her novels have been named Best Thrillers of the Year by Library Journal, New York Post, um, BookBub, PopSugar, Real Simple Magazine, and others. Her current book is Her Perfect Life, and she has a fantastic poster of that in the background. Um, That was an Agatha Award nominee for the Best Novel, and she's got an upcoming, upcoming thriller called The House Guest, which is coming out in February, and today is Hank's birthday. I can't believe she agreed to do this on her birthday. So we've got, Maurice is an hour earlier and Hank is doing this on her birthday. And that is real dedication or something. I got that, I, I really am not paying them. So, um, okay. So we're talking about stakes today and I'm gonna let Maurice start us off. Maurice, when you think about stakes in writing, what what are they? How would you define mm-hmm. it? um how you how do you discover them for your characters and how do you put them on the page
1: and uh good everybody it is bright and early it's so nice to be here with everybody um so i mean stakes is motivation this is what matters i think that sometimes we, we get in trouble if we don't know what the stakes are you don't necessarily have to know what the stakes are for character in that draft but certainly my later draft um for me it's pretty straightforward it's a short story. I always do this sort of middle framework. I think, all right, I, I meet this character um, in a bar next to in the airport, and we're stranded in this airport over the holidays. We're trying to get home. They're both like, very upset about this. And I asked this person after a few you know, shots of whiskey or whatever, what's the most important thing you ever happened in your entire life? The character just starts talking to me. Or I think, you know, we're actually on the plane and I'm trying my own business. I'm going to trip, get back home. And they, they won't stop talking. And, and then at some point with me just saying, look, just stop talking. And they just keep talking and they convince me to wait. what you say? They keep on talking. For me, stakes makes their story valuable. Or you know, use the fancier word. Um, stakes is that that drives the character's motivation. So for example, right now, um, I'm talking to you. On my cell phone because my laptop crashed on, my and so I'm thinking, okay, should I like a lot of this wouldn't be a part of it? Really, if my work is being done, and so um, and so for me, the stakes was uh, show up and just like sleep in this morning. So, uh, stakes is just that thing that keeps in game, so to speak, uh, for the character.
0: Excellent, and I think a lot of people. I love that that you ask the question of what's the what's the worst thing or what's the most important thing that's ever happened to you to really get at a character and really force them to speak back to you um, can be really useful. I also think that some people confuse the idea of stakes. They think it's a plot issue, and if they and I and I know a lot of writers, Hank's going to make a funny face at this, who who don't like plot who are really against plot, uh, which is also kind of ridiculous because how do you <laughs> How do you write a novel about some sort of plotting? So, but stakes is also about character development. And if if you don't understand the stakes of, of your story and the stakes of your character, we're simply not going to care as much about the characters and what they do on the page. Um, Hank, how about you? How would you define stakes? How do you go about finding them for your characters?
2: I, I, I'm, I'm a big plot girl. You know, I yeah. think I, I obviously I write suspense, but... I can't, but the stakes for the characters is the book. I mean, if you if you don't, I'll, I'll put it this way. I've been a television reporter for 43 years. And generally when, in, when the world was in the old way, we would go to the news meeting in the morning and pitch our stories, whether they were a day-to-day story or investigative story, pitch our stories to the executive producer. And she would say, I'll, and I'll imitate her because you'll, you'll never know who it is. She would say, why do I care? Why do I care about that? And it was so annoying. But she was so right because if the reader doesn't care about what's going to happen, uh, then they're not going to keep reading. And if to make the reader care, the, your character, every character, not just the main character, and this is important, I'll tell, talk more about that in a minute, Every character, your main character has to want something. That is what your story is, is that your character wants something. And if they and if they don't get that thing, then something will happen, something bad will happen. The, 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 their life will be ruined. There'll be some sort of a disaster. So there's not a day that goes by when I'm writing that I don't say to myself, what does my character want? How far will they go to get it? And why? and what will happen if they fail and that's that's the story and i think that a, that a that a that a novel is a series of those steps somebody wants something why do they want it they decide what to do about it and in that decision making process comes the re- the revelation of their of their personality of their motivation of the you know of their uh, the, the depth of their need, uh, then they do the thing, then there's the actual action of them doing the thing, and then there's the obstacle that prevents that from being successful. And at the end of that five-step cycle, the, the wanting it, the motivation, the decision, the action, and the, and the obstacle, they're changed, and they need to, they want something else. They need to do something else. They need to go a different direction. And those cycles, Hank segments, I call them, can be really, really short, or they can be an entire chapter. But that desire, that passion, that wanting of something, and if they don't get it, they will fail. And then everything will be a disaster. That's that's the engine that
0: keeps a plot going. Yes, yes. And I remember I was taking a commuter train once and we were passing by another train and someone had written in graffiti on another train, yearning never ceases. Mm. And I think we have to remember that because I get so many writers who are like, well, my character doesn't know what they want. And first off, if your character doesn't know what they want, you probably need to write, continue to write to figure out what they want, because I normally find that it's the writer that doesn't know what the character wants, not that the character doesn't know what they want. Well, you and know, if- it's interesting. <laughs> Let me
2: tell you this really quickly. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes I keep a notebook as I'm writing my novels just to just to remind myself that I, I, that I have doubts every time, that I have fears every time, that I've been through this before, I've come out the other end. And this is dated October 4th. And it says, <laughs> and you can see the handwriting. You can say, it says, this is horrible. There's no story. This hits itself against a wall and goes nowhere. It needs something more, a purpose, a goal, a story. What is this story about? And this is October the 4th of four years ago. And this is the book that turned out to be the Murderless that won the Anthony award for best novel of the year. And, and I keep this on my desk now because that is the whole purpose for me of writing a book. What do they want? And somebody has a question, Jesse says, can one of the steps be what if they get that thing and that self that thing is self destructive? Yes, exactly. Then the question is, do they realize that and do something else, or yeah. does that start a downward cycle? Sure. Uh, and th- and when I was saying that they hit an obstacle, maybe that's it. The obstacle is, oh my golly, this is this made it worse. This made it worse.
0: Right, because what oftentimes what they want is not what they really need, and it doesn't actually fulfill the deeper desire. Well,
2: you're, you're not, if, you, if it does, your your book is done. You're
0: not, then oh, your book is done, I, right? Oh, exactly.
2: Smith, did you kill Mr. Smith? Well, yes, I did. Thank you. And the book and the book is over. And so. Hank,
0: I love... So notice that even best-selling novelists write on their work, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> because I have my notebooks full of that stuff. You do. Of yelling at yourself and, and being like, this doesn't work. Why are you doing this? Da, 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 da. But um, it, it,
2: it's good because when we're in that moment of absolute fear and you think, I don't know what my characters want and this is never going to work, you have to remember that we've all felt like that and we all come out of it. You know, I've begun, I know this is a little bit of a digression as Maurice comes back on, but um, when I hit those moments of panic, when I think, oh my golly, what does my character want? Um, I I, I now have learned to embrace the panic Mm. because, the panic is a, a step a step in the process for figuring out the thing. So I think, oh, I'm in the panic stage. Good. That means the next thing is the
0: the, the solution. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so just assuming that if you're in panic stage, um, constantly, yeah. So Susan went. Um, Susan says, can you quickly repeat the five steps Hank mentioned?
2: Sure. What does a character want, and then and why? And then the decision-making process, which might be a little bit longer when they, when they think about how they might handle what it is. And then that's a good place, as I said, to reveal character and psychology and setting all those mm. kinds of things. can You know, you would do something different, you know, at seven in the morning that you might at seven at night, you would do something different in your bedroom than in somebody else's bedroom. If there's a blizzard <laughs> process. Right. So if somebody wants something. Why do they want it? They decide what to do. They do it, and that's the action that's going to advance your story. They do it, and then they hit some kind of an obstacle. Somebody else's wants get get in their way. Maybe something doesn't work. Something is a surprise. The person they thought was the bad guy turns out to be the good guy. It do- doesn't matter what it is, or it can be psychological. Um, they hit some sort of an obstacle, and then the cycle starts again. Then they have to. They have to decide what they want to do as a result of that thing, and then the action, and then that cycle continues, repeats, repeats.
0: Exactly. Maurice, as you're listening to Hank talk, is this the same sort of approach that you take, the same sort of thinking?
1: Um, I couldn't agree. Hank is an expert, and I'll turn off the help with this issue that we have. Uh, but the way I think about it, um so I totally agree. And I think that state is the thing that helps author keep writing. So what I mean by that is if you're sitting there in front of your laptop and you are bored of your skull, it's probably the stakes are too low for your character. And so when it comes to, to like novels, you know, I've, I've written a couple, uh, my next one is on the way. I always get to a point wow, I, to Hank's point, I just don't care. Wow. Why would anybody read this thing? And so then I just made this decision of, all right, let me think of something a little outlandish for this cat, something that seems beyond their capacity to get in and try and figure out why would they overcome that thing? My first book, We Cast a Shadow, I just thought about oh, in the early draft, his main issue was his parents in their house trying to raise money to save this. And I kept think oh, that's just not big enough. It's just not interesting enough. Hmm. So then I to this question of and this man trying to figure out how to deal this in this society. transformed the book and it transformed me also. Oh. Um, in, in, my, in my later book, uh, finishing right now, it's uh, a girl in the 1840s in New Orleans. And you could say it's, it's, a, it's sort of a narrative, but really what it challenged me well, how do you become empowered? come from nowhere, some interesting other um, African American women in the 1840s and 50s. And that's going to cause her pain to develop. And of course, the obstacles are all over the place. Yep. in a story like that. So me, you know, for me, the, is a, is a it should be best experience. I'm not enjoying it, I'm not gonna do it. And spakes is always go, oh, this is gonna be way fun to write the story like this. And <laughs> you know, I can tell, I really can tell if the writer to it or not.
0: Yes, I mean, and it's so important. If the writer themselves aren't interested in the in the work, the reader is never going to be interested. You can feel that on the page. I mean, you can yeah. feel that when, uh, Maurice, I feel just
2: like you do sometimes. Uh, and as I've even read my note to you all, um, okay. if I if the if the author doesn't care, the reader will not care. And you'll find that sometimes, at least I do, um, when I open my manuscript every evening, not morning, Michelle, but I open my manuscript every evening um, and read the the chapter that I wrote the day before or the pages that I wrote the day before. If I find myself skimming over the skimming over some of it, and I think, oh, that's fine. That's fine. I think, wait a minute, stop. You know, you're not even you. It's not even interesting enough for you to read it on the. You know, the second time you see it, what is it that's wrong with that? I mean, the wonderful teacher, Donald Moss, says, um, what's the word to ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen to your character right now? What would be the worst thing that could happen? And then if you figure that out, think, okay, what would be worse than that? And then, okay, what would be worse than that? And I promise you, this is such a valuable tool. I praise Donald Maas in my head every day for that because I think, because the first thing that could go wrong is the easiest thing for you to come up with so push yourself a little bit okay so that's bad but what would be what would make my character's life even more miserable because when your character's life is miserable they fear that they will lose something they love or lose something they need Um, or fail at something and as a result every other domino in their life will crash over so you know as we know as real people how we feel when we're motivated to do something and we know how we feel when we're when we're passionately motivated to do something and we know how we feel when everything we thought was going to work just did not work and those kind of stakes i mean stakes in a, in a thriller that like I write, the stakes are life and death at some point, and I'm sort of moving along to the end of the book here, life and death at some point, but you can, use, you can make the stakes for your character higher, even with the tiniest of things. What if they open the door and it's pouring? How is that going to affect what their pet plans were? What if they can't find their reading glasses? And they really, I mean, a little thing like that. What if they walk into the kitchen and and their son has spilled the milk all over the floor? And now that's 15 minutes where they have to do something that they weren't planning to do. But every, and everything thwarts what they want. So at every turn, make your character's life miserable and difficult, make them decide how to overcome that, which reveals to us who they are or do they make the selfish decision or do they make this self selfless, benign, personal, lovely decision? Are they? Do they make a dishonest decision, or do they make the honest decision? It that those that decision making process reveals who they are, and again reveals who they want. And as Maurice was saying earlier, the stakes can change. Of course, you know, on page one of the book, the character always wants something. You hope. Yeah. Um, but certainly by chapter 30, what that what they want is going to be different because they have
0: changed as people. Excellent. And then um, and so don't be too nice to your main character, particularly if your main character is very similar to yourself. Um, Maurice, did you want to add on to that?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say um, Donald Moss, I think is a genius. So I, I want to put in two cents for for, for Donas in his writing uh, to break out now, change my life. Oh. Um, and and you know, I love what Hank is saying. This idea about asking about the, the you know, the thing, and then going beyond over and over again. I, I do it all the time. Um, there's a writer named Charles Baxter who said that um, there should be a, a base pain that the character is trying to get past, but then a deeper pain beyond that. Oh. So you can have levels of stakes. Like maybe the small stakes is they get to work on time but the big stakes is. I gotta get to work on time so that I can do great, get a promotion and impress my mother who, who thinks I'm a piece of crap, basically. And, and if you can solve those two problems, you, know, you have an story. So just think of it in terms of what makes that character interesting, what motivates them sort of in the moment and in the larger scheme of things.
0: And that brings up to me um, stakes being both emotional but as, but also physical or concrete, because I sometimes see people like, well, I'm like, well, who cares if this doesn't happen to them? And my, my, um, the writer says, well, they'll be very sad. Well, okay. (laughs) A lot of people are very sad. Like, is there, is, because it's, it's difficult for the reader to attach to that necessarily. And also it's really important if if you haven't made the reader care about what's at stake. So let's say I always say like Sarah wants to marry Fred and she's all freaking out about Fred or Sarah's worried that Fred's going to break up with her. If we don't like Fred and we think Sarah's going to be better off with Fred, we're like, "Woot, woot! Fred, break up with her. And we don't really care what Sarah's necessarily doing in order to thwart that because we actually want it to happen because the relationship is terrible. Um, So, I mean, Hank. How do you think about that in terms of well, both I, emotional you know, stakes yeah, and concrete yeah, stakes? I
2: think that's so important. I think that's so important. You know, it, again, in writing suspense, you think about suspense, and it's and suspense can be personal suspense or it can be, um, you know, sort of a plot driven suspense. But it can also be personal suspense. What's going to happen in my life? What what will happen? But when if if, uh, if uh, the example that I used before, if I if I'm a reporter and I knock on the door and I say um Mrs. Smith, did you kill Mr. Smith? Yes, I did. but let then we're done. But if I if I wake up in the morning and I think, oh my golly, Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith is dead, and I wonder if Mrs. Smith did it. and I I think I'm gonna find this out, I'm gonna make my career out of this. and I, uh, get in the car and I turn on the I turn on the engine. I still do this and not push. So I turn on the engine and I'm at, and I'm I'm low on gas. So now I have to go get gas. So now I go to the gas station. I, then I start driving to Mrs. Smith's house and it starts to snow. And I hate to drive in the snow. Oh my god! I hate to drive in the snow. Okay so I I'm, I'm going to persevere I'm going to keep going what if because if what if I don't get there what if something else happens what if what if she what if she runs away what if I don't get this story so I go, I finally find a parking space and I get out of the car and I realize that I haven't worn boots and now it's snowing and I think okay I'm going to go anywhere anyway and I well, I find her house finally and I and she she has a gate in front of her house do I open the gate yeah I open the gate I go up to the door I knock on the door nobody answers the door. I ding the bell. Nobody answers. Where is Mrs. Smith? Oh no. And then I, I push on the door and the door opens. The door is open. Mm. And I think, and then you think, do, do I go in? No, I can't go into somebody's house. That would be sort of breaking and entering, but it's not really breaking and entering because the door was open. And what if something is really wrong in here? So should I go and I open the door and I think I'm going in here? Should I do that? And what's going to happen? And then I hear a noise. Now, now you know, you're like, oh, what's going to happen? And if she does if, if she doesn't get the answer to this, then she won't have a story and if she doesn't have a story, then she won't have a job. On the other hand, if she but she might get killed going in there, she doesn't even know what's in there. So she's balancing what she wants to get the story um, with the, with the risks that she's taking to do it. you know, will her desire to get this good story? And as Maurice says, if she doesn't get the story, then she'll lose her job. And then she won't have any money and then she'll lose her apartment. And what is she's going to, what is she going to do? So the dominoes can fall the other way. Um,
0: but yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're locking somebody into, so, so, I think a yeah, lot so of people don't caring. think about. Yeah, You're caring, as you, to your point,
2: you're, ca- you're caring about what this woman does. You're caring about why she's going in. You're on the journey with her. Yeah. You don't start with her pushing the door open because you don't care about that. You don't start with her finding a dead person because you don't care about the dead person and you don't care about her yet. So we need to be in, invested in who this, per, in who our person is, who our main character is. We're invested in them, we know what she wants, and then we're on the road with her to get it.
0: That's yes. the key. And so stakes is on, are on both sides. What can, can the character lose and, and what can they gain? And we need sure. that kind of pressure on both sides. And I also always think about adding the idea of human value to stakes. So let's say your character wants to win a million dollars. We really might not give a damn. Like, why should we care (laughs) if your character wants to win a million dollars? Everyone wants to win a million dollars. So adding human value to something that a character wants. So they want to win a million dollars so that they can get cancer treatments for their grandmother. Now that might seem kind of trite, but usually if you can add like... um, Family responsibilities. See, this is, um, what, this
2: is what we ask ourselves. Uh, ask ourselves as writer all the time. All the t- writers all the time. It's so simple. It's such a simple question, and it can blossom your writing. Which is why? Why would they do that? Why do they want that? Why do they need that? Yes. Well, because of this. Well, why? Well, because of this. Well, why? Well, because of this. And it gets down to some elemental thing in their personality that then we can sort of reverse engineer and mine. And then then the theme of your book emerges from the desire. The theme emerges, whether it's redemption or, you know, um, Regaining a relationship with someone, or feeling um, that you have succeeded at something finally for the first time in your life—some sort of self-worth. When you when you when you go backwards in, in deeper down and deeper into why the person is doing what they're doing, and ask yourself again and again and again why they're doing that, then 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 your book gets bigger. Then you're writing about a real person, whether they're facing that. Or not, you as the author get to decide as you're writing the book. Don't when do they realize that that what they're looking for is redemption? When do they realize that? You know that's gonna that might not come until three quarters of the way through the book. But you're on the journey with the character. Excellent.
1: Thank you. So I'm, I'm learning things here, and you know <laughs> you're, you're clarifying something that I think about. Um, I think that when you have stakes, that the character reason to break the rules. Is- so to enter the house, for example, you know, normally you wouldn't do that, right? If you care about what's going on, go ahead and do that. And then secondly, the idea of um, sacrifice, you know, stakes have to give something, right? If you walk in the house, you may get you may get arrested for that. And you may you know, lose your medical license, lose your law license or jail, can't take care of your children. So I think that'd be a risk involved when we talk about state. Yeah. And then the goes, Peter the goes, yes the same thing in a situation and then, then the reader is now the character.
2: Yes. I think your idea of sacrifice, Maurice, is um is brilliant and so helpful. The I'll tell you a very quick story. I was writing one of my novels and my I was in the middle of it. I was making a decision and my grandson came to the door and, you know you when you're writing and when you're in it and you sometimes think oh please don't come in here please don't come in here please don't come in here um and my grand says that my grandson who was nine at the time says grammy i'm really interested in what you're doing now you know i'm gonna stop when my grandson says i'm really interested in what you're doing no matter how much in the flow i am so i said um well sweetheart I'm writing, and he says, well, what are you writing? And I realized that I had to decide whether to tell a nine-year-old that I was trying to decide whether to kill someone. <laughs> so I figured he's seen worse than this. So uh, I said, well, honey, I'm I'm trying to decide whether to kill someone, w- whether someone should die. And he says, is, she, is it a good person? And I said, yeah, it's a good person. And she, he said, well, then she shouldn't die. So I said, well, mm, You know, in real life, I I hear you, but in real life, sometimes good people die. It it's it just happens sometimes. And uh he said, Okay, well, maybe she should have a narrow escape. So I said, "Mm, you know, narrow escape seems like kind of a cheap shot. You know, you build up all this suspense and then no, it didn't really happen. So I'm not really a fan of narrow escapes. So Eli said, Thanks for a minute, and then he says, well, maybe she should have to give something up to get what she wants. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> that's exact. That's ex- Eli is available you all for consultation. Excellent. I thought, yeah, she should have to give something up. And I'm telling you, I think he learned that in like video games you know, when, they, when they're when they getting power or getting weapons or whatever they get in those games, that sometimes you have to sacrifice. And when my character did that, I gave, gave Eli um, a nod in the acknowledgements of that book. When that person h- had to make a decision, does she give up what she wants for the benefit of someone else? And that's what she did. And then we know her, don't we? Then we know her, don't yeah. we? That's interesting.
0: Maurice, we have a question um, in the chat. I mean, and I think, and Hank might answer this differently. Do you sketch out the chain of stakes and consequences before you write the book, as you're writing the book? Do you figure them out as you go along? Maurice, how do you approach that?
1: though. Um, no, it's complicated. So my, my basic rule is to just start a draft knowing what my character wants, what I want, and then write the draft as fast as possible. So maybe it's 200 pages, like four months, something like that. Then I realized I was wrong. I'm always wrong in that first version of it. As some in the first draft, I'll sit down, write a paragraph where I try to explain to myself what the character's do doing, hmm. how their decisions, what are their sacrifices. And I'll go, oh, I don't really like that very much. And I'll writing that paragraph like a few days. I go, that seems a lot better. So I'll be at the, I go out for a run or I'll talk to a friend or a film and I'll go, that's it, then I will revise based on my new understanding of what that person's, um, you know, stakes, desires are. Um, so I've never written like a completely successful outline because it changes so frequently and so early in the process that it's almost useless, but like, it, it, it is actually ha- very helpful to, to keep writing things out and interviewing my character and, you know, doing like alternate version of character and just seeing what happens if they make certain decisions. Like a choose your own adventure. My character's out the gun, down to the dock at night, what's gonna happen to in this, in this version, of this, that sort of thing.
0: Excellent, excellent. And so you're also paying attention to what is already on the page, and you're also paying attention emotionally to how you feel about it, if it makes sense.
1: Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say, you know, in closing on that, you know, think of it like jazz music. Not like the biggest jazz of show, but but the idea that you could have a song and a melody, and then just keep improvising on it. To me, improvisation that allows you to be flexible, to create anything that be better than it was.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And this show is all about improv. So Hank, did you wanna, do you approach uh, setting up your chain of stinks and consequences from the very beginning? Not at all, never. I have never
2: done that. I start with what I think is a cool germ of an idea about what happens to someone and what they want to do as a result and what they need at the end. But I've typed chapter one and I think, okay, sister, let's go and see what and see what happens. Um, and I allow, so I don't know what's going to happen next until I sit at this very computer and write it. And that's what sort of gets me to the computer every day is I think, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen. And I don't know until that happens. And when I, when I know I'm in the story, um, I am not really actively thinking about it. Um, the, I, I am sort of inhabiting the characters, and what they want comes out, if, I, if I'm lucky. Um, and then I think, really? Whoa, that happened? That's in, that's interesting. Oh, my golly, she has a sister? Whoa, who was that at the door? Amazing. When you're in the flow like that, and the people and the characters take off and tell you things, that's when you know that the story is working. It's I surprise myself every day about it. And every book I've ever written, my editor says, can you just send me an outline? Uh, can you just send an outline? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, I can't do that. And I say to her because I can't send an outline because I don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And it doesn't happen till I write it. Excellent.
0: Amazing. Okay. So thank you so, so much, both Hank and Maurice. I just love having you both on. And um, up early and Adams, uh, Hank is gonna have an amazing birthday after this. And Marisa said that he's gonna go for a run. So um, tomorrow we start our point of view week with authors Whitney Sher, Wiki Wang, Alison Amond, David Abrams, Chuchi Sarawat, and Rachel Barabom, and many more. And tomorrow specifically, we're gonna talk about first person pros and cons with Maya Siobhan Lang and Laura Ankampora. Uh, if you support what we're doing, please share and follow and rate our 7 a.m. podcast or wherever you're listening to us. And you can find our full schedule at 7 a.m. I hope everyone has an amazing writing day. A lot is at stake for today, guys. <laughs> get to your from desk what you and get, get some good work done. From? Thank you, everyone. You
1: really how you sift for a love in the sand like a life
2: inside the wind? And you go where it tells you to go. But you never wonder why there isn't nothing here at all.